0: Gospel of John, chapter sixteen, verses seven through eleven, and we asked this question this morning: Can it be well with my soul? And if you're here this morning, and you know Christ is your Savior. While we were singing, it had to be well with your soul. John sixteen, verses seven through eleven. Let's read those verses together this morning. Let's back up to uh, let's, let's let's back up to verse number six. concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So in the last uh, last few weeks, we have been going through a series of sermons called Deep Well Disciples. It sprung from a conversation that I had with a, uh, a sales rep who um, I do business with for the church, who sells discipleship materials, and we talked about the need for us to grow deeper um, in the world deeper in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for the past few weeks, we've looked at um, God the Father, God the Son, and this week we look at God the Holy Spirit. Now as we begin to speak about God the Holy Spirit this morning, we realize that in some circles and some denominations, um, there is an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit in some places, and this is to the detriment of God the Son, Jesus Christ. We also realize that in Southern Baptist Church and in Southern Baptist life, there is an under, he's, the Holy Spirit is underemphasized, and it's also to the detriment of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Because you see, God the Holy Spirit and God the Son, Jesus Christ, work in glory, work in unison to the glory of God the Father. So we want to um, emphasize this morning the work, the person and function Of God the Holy Spirit. The moment that I became a Christian. The moment that I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment that I repented of my sins. And that I asked for forgiveness of those sins. And I I declared that I wanted to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. At that moment there was an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happened in my life. And from that point on the Holy Spirit has been a part of my daily life. And He will be a part of my daily life throughout eternity. So it benefits us greatly to understand as individual believers and as a body of believers together, it benefits us greatly to understand the person and function of God the Holy Spirit. We see Him every day in our daily lives as we begin to read Scripture and we begin to try to understand Scripture more plainly. In John chapter 14, verse 26, as Jesus is beginning to describe to the disciples about His soon departure and about the coming of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, He tells them that everything that He has said to them, the Holy Spirit will bring back to their remembrance so that they can write it down and so that we have an account of it and a record of it today. In the same way, in our life today, The Holy Spirit helps us to understand Scripture. As we live and breathe in Him, and as we read Scripture, and as we pray, it is the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand Scripture. When there is a situation in your life, and when there is something that happens in your life, and you begin to think about a Scripture that applies to that, that is God the Holy Spirit who is bringing that to your mind so that it can be a help to you, or so that you can be a help to another person, through the work of the Holy Spirit, and through God's Word. He is there with us in our Scripture understanding, and He's also there with us in our prayer life every day. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, in chapter 8, verses 26, now have you ever been to that point in your life where you wanted to pray, you needed to pray, but you just didn't know what to say? You maybe were so grieved, or you were so overwhelmed, or you were so burdened, that you really just didn't know what to say To God in prayer. Paul says in Romans 8.26. That it is the Holy Spirit. In those situations. Who prays for us. With groanings. That we can't even understand. So we understand. That in our everyday life. In our functioning. And as our growth as a Christian. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Is so important to us. And our greatest prayer every day Would be for God to fill us. With more of the Holy Spirit. Every single day. So we see God the Holy Spirit in all throughout Scripture. Immediately in the account of creation in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. uh, The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So we see God the Holy Spirit there active in the account of creation. All throughout the Old Testament we see Abraham's faith, Moses' leadership, Ruth's fidelity and David's remorse all point to future works of God the Holy Spirit. In our passage today, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. about his soon departure from them. They're filled with great sorrow. They have walked with Jesus. They have talked with Jesus. They have seen the great ministry that he has provided for the region that he's in there. They have been and they have had an account and, and been able to have access to the greatest ministry that has ever been on the face of the earth. Now they realize as he's speaking to them, he begins to talk about his soon departure and how he's leaving them, and they're greatly troubled in their hearts, and they're very sad. But he assures them that it is to your advantage that I go away. They don't understand this immediately. How can it be to our advantage that you go away after all that we've witnessed you do, after all the great works, after all the great teaching, after being and pouring and investing our lives in this ministry, how can it be to our advantage that you go away? But the advantage of the Holy Spirit is this. In Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus could only be in one place at one time. As Jesus departs from the earth, the Holy Spirit comes and now the Holy Spirit can carry on Jesus' ministry all over the entire world at all times. But Jesus had to leave in order for the Holy Spirit to be sent. So let's look this morning at the points that we have here in our sermon about the function and person of the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit convicts my soul. He convicts my soul, first of all, of sin. uh, Jesus said these words as he is explaining this to the disciples that the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It's the Holy Spirit who initially pointed out my sin to me, pointed me to the righteousness of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, and told me that I had an opportunity to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and escape the judgment that was really made and created for Satan and his angels. Now, we all know and struggle with these things. As a young person, I was tempted to do a lot of wrong things and a lot of wrong doing. I was tempted a lot to do things that I knew weren't right. Now, in the back of my mind, as a young person... Um, especially as an elementary, middle school kid, in the back of my mind, there was always this voice that was saying, if you do that, it's going to break your mother's heart. It's going to grieve your mother and your daddy. Now, I didn't want to grieve mother because I didn't want to see mother's heart get broken, her cry, and I didn't want to grieve daddy because I didn't want to get a, a whipping. So I listened to that voice very, uh, uh, a lot there in those middle, elementary and middle school uh, uh, years. I listened to that voice a lot, and it kept me. I didn't want to grieve my parents. Now, as my boys have come along, I understand that better because when they do wrong, it grieves my heart because my parents loved and cared for me so deeply, and I love and care for my children so deeply that when they do things wrong, it breaks my heart. It grieves my heart. And I don't want to, I, you know, I don't want to be a part of that. But as much as my parents love me, as much as I love my boys, the Holy Spirit's love and concern for me is so much deeper and stronger than any love that I have for my children or my parents had for me. As much as I didn't want to grieve my parents or my boys to grieve me. I should be even more aware of grieving God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit went to great lengths to point me to the Lord Jesus Christ. He pursued me and he spoke to me and, he, and he, he talked to my soul and my spirit and he pointed me to Jesus continuously and continuously over and over and as a result of that I should take great care not to sin and grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Listen, I thank the Holy Spirit for pointing me to the redemption of God. You see, He sealed me for redemption and not judgment. There will come a day when I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and I will give an account for my life as a Christian before the Lord Jesus Christ thanks to the prompting of the Holy Spirit who put that in my heart and convicted me of my sins, convicted my soul, and now I have redemption and I don't face judgment. So the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin and now He convicts me of self. Before Christ, I was a very selfish person. I know that's hard for y'all to believe. But I was very selfish. My life was about me first, and it was very me-centered. That was my whole intent of each and every day was me. It was me first. I married the only person in the world who was more me and self-centered than I was. (laughs) It is a wonder that our children can walk and talk and dress themselves. (laughs) I lost my thoughts Uh, (laughs) but here's what I saw the Lord do there's a point to this here's what I saw the Lord do in our lives I saw the Lord take the two most self-centered selfish people that that I knew and I saw him place us in the most odd place for us to be and that was in ministry it wasn't, but just a little while after Bree became a Christian, that she would she would stop here in the gazebo. She saw girls here in the gazebo sitting in, in the, uh, up here, and she would stop and she would witness to them and tell them about what Jesus had done for her life. She would go through communities in our in our city. She would go door to door, knocking on doors. She and Diane Marshall's daughter Heather would go and knock on doors, and and people would open the door and they would tell them about Jesus. She would go to the bar that used to be over here on the highway, and she would leave tracks on windshields and tell people about the gospel of Jesus. God put me, who was self-centered and who was so me-focused, He put me in ministry to minister to other people. I didn't care about other people before I became a Christian. I had no desire for other people in my life. I would go to work and people would start talking about their kids and all these things and I would think, I don't care anything about that. I'm I just want to work and, and, and be and be happy. I remember passing a lady one day at work and and, and I, I passed her and I said, How are you? And she stopped me dead in my tracks and she looked at me and she said, Why do you ask? And I said, I don't know. I said, It's just, you know, I said, How are you? And she said, You don't care. She said, why would you ask me how I'm doing? She said, you don't care. You don't care anything about me. She said, you ask me how I'm doing because you want to look good to other people, not because you really care. And I didn't ask her anymore. But she was right. But now, with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I realize. And I know that I do care now. And that I am, I am filled with a different spirit about me now. And that I do care. And that it grieves me now if someone has an opportunity for me to minister to them and I don't minister to them, it grieves my heart. It bothers my soul when I pass up an opportunity to minister. Romans 8, 27, the last part of this says, The spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, it's God's will for me to be in ministry. He placed us in a place where it would be very uncomfortable for us because He wanted us to change and be different people. And so, His will for me is to minister to others. These, the Holy Spirit points me to these opportunities. It's the Holy Spirit who prompts my soul and my spirit to tell other people and to try to help other people. We've, have you ever been in those situations where you just saw someone... And you may not have even known that. You may not even know that person. But you just have this compelling desire to speak to that person and and to talk to that person. And it turns into be a ministry opportunity for you. That's God the Holy Spirit who was prompting you to speak to that person and talk to that person so that you could find out about that person and minister to that. So He convicted me of my sin. He convicts me of myself. And He convicted me greatest thing that he convicted me of was my need for a savior we look back at sin and righteousness and judgment and there was a moment when the holy spirit pointed me to my sins and then he pointed me to the righteousness of god that was available to me only through jesus christ and because of that i i i asked for that forgiveness and now i don't face judgment because jesus goes further here in verse number 12 and he tells us that the holy spirit is the spirit of truth. And the truth that I realized there that day that I gave my life to Christ was this, I can't save myself. I had to have Jesus. And it was the Holy Spirit who convicted me of that. So the Holy Spirit convicts my soul, and He compels my soul. First of all, He compels me to serve. He gave me a call to ministry. He gave me a a specific task and a call to serve other people. He gives each one of us specific gifts that make us useful to God in ministry. Paul lists some of these in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. He lists these. One of them is prophecy. Those are people who can just see things in black and white. They can see situations and they can see turmoil and things like that. And they can reach in and find the black and white of that situation and explain it to you. They can take scripture that is complicated and they can put it in black and white terms. Most ministers, most pastors have that gift of prophecy. There's the gift of service, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership, and the gift of mercy. God gives all these gifts to different people So that as a body we come together and we function to make the church. We see the prompting, the the compelling of the Holy Spirit to serve even in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 13 we see the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights and then to be tempted by Satan before Jesus goes to be baptized and begin his earthly ministry. The Holy Spirit took Jesus out into the wilderness for this, for him to be strengthened and to become uh, ready for his ministry here on earth. In Acts chapter eight, we see the um, we see the occasion of Philip the deacon who is out in the wilderness, and he's compelled by the Holy Spirit to witness to the Ethiopian eunuch who has also been led out into this place by the Holy Spirit because he's trying to understand Scripture and understand what this Scripture means. So Philip is compelled by the Holy Spirit to witness to the Ethiopian man and because of that, the Ethiopian man gives his life to Christ and is baptized there. Now, let me ask you this. What is the Holy Spirit compelling you to do? What are you wrestling with in your life that the Holy Spirit is compelling you to do? Because let me tell you, you are wrestling with it and you're thinking about it and you're struggling with it and you're saying, you're giving yourself all the reasons why you can't do it and all the reasons why you shouldn't do it and all the reasons why there's somebody better than you to do it and all the time the Holy Spirit is waiting to equip you and to give you everything you need to do what it is He's called you to do. So don't sit and wrestle with it forever forever. Give yourself over to God the Holy Spirit and let him use you in a mighty way. So he compels my soul to serve and he compels my soul to sing. Oh, I'm not going to sing. I understand that in one of our Sunday school classes this morning, my singing was a topic of discussion. Somebody wrote down names for me and I'll be visiting your houses this week and singing to you. I think, uh, I think my sister may have led that discussion up there. So. Um, but the Holy Spirit compels me to sing. The Holy Spirit compels me to sing the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 63.3 says this, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. He compels me to praise God. He compels me to praise God for the great attributes and the character of God. He compels me to praise God for His righteousness and His holiness, His purity, the fact that He is without sin and without blemish, the fact that someday I will stand before Him and the greatest moment of all of my existence will be as when I am consumed by His holiness and righteousness and made to be like Him. He compels me to praise Him for His mercy, for the fact that He was merciful to me when I was a sinner, and that He was merciful to me, that He allowed my eyes to open and my feet to hit the floor this morning. He compels me to praise Him for His love. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love hath no one than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. He gladly went to a cross for me and gave His life for me and shed His blood for me, and for that reason this morning I praise Him. I praise Him for His kindness. I praise Him that He's so kind to me. That He allows other people to be kind to me. And I pray that I would in turn be kind to other people. I praise Him for His patience. I praise Him that He is patient. That He gives me second and third opportunities and chances. And I pray to be more patient with others. And I praise Him for His long suffering. I praise Him that He suffered long with me when I was a sinner and He gave me opportunity to come to know Christ, and I praise Him that as I look around at this crazy, sin-tossed world today, that He is long-suffering with those people because He wants to see them come to repentance. So He compels my soul to sing His praises, and we should all be willing to do so. But then the Holy Spirit comforts my soul. He comforts me in my suffering. Jesus said in this world, we would have tribulation. We would have hard times. Many of you here are great examples of how the Holy Spirit comforts during those times. I've witnessed and watched many of you who've gone through tragedy and heartache and sorrow. And the only reason that you're still able to function and move forward every day Is because of the Holy Spirit who moves you forward and is your comforter. Jesus talked to us about this in John chapter 14. He said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the Holy Spirit who points out to us this morning that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no, we can't get to the Father except through him. And it's the Holy Spirit who now continues telling us that our hearts should not be troubled because we have a relationship. Jesus goes on in verses number 16 and 17 in the promise here. He says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither receives Him or knows Him. You know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. It's the Holy Spirit who dwells in me and is with me forever. The Holy Spirit comforts my soul in suffering and He comforts my soul in sorrow. We sang a song just a few minutes ago called It Is Well With My Soul. There's a great story behind this song. A great story of comforting in a time of sorrow. You may have heard this story, but I want to read it again this morning because it is so compatible with what we're talking about here this morning. A man named Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871, and in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet God, in his mercy and kindness, allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 21, 1873, the French ocean liner, Villa du Harve, was crossing the Atlantic from, U- from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Ms. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the ship collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Lock Earn. Suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Annie, Margaret, Lee, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta and prayed that God would spare them if that could be His will or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within 12 minutes, the ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers including the four Spafford children. A sailor rolling a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of the wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel, which nine days later landed them in Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed a telegram and placed it in his office. Another of the ship's survivors, Pastor Weiss, later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters, now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the the captain called Spafford to his cabin and told him they were over the place, where his children went down. According to Bertha Spafford Vester, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul while on this journey. He wrote these words, after his four children perished, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that has taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Anna gave birth to three more children, one of which died at age four with dreaded pneumonia. In August 1881, the Spaffords moved to Jerusalem where Mr. Spafford died and is buried. It is well with my soul. Can it be well with your soul? Yes. Yes. The Holy Spirit enables us to rest completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can say, as the song said, it is well with my soul. Paul said this in Philippians 4, 7, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well with my soul. This morning I can sincerely say that it is well with my soul. A soul that many days should be troubled, many days should be broken and empty and desolate. I can say it is well with my soul. Because one day I heard the voice of God the Holy Spirit saying to me, It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ that is the answer. And now because of that, when God the Father looks at me, He doesn't look at me in the sinful condition of a man, but He looks at me through the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ, and what He did for me on the cross in forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. So this morning in a congregation this side there are people here this morning who I know can say without a doubt it is well with my soul but there are also those who are troubled and who are hurting and who are sorrowful and who are sad and who are broken God the Holy Spirit wants to be your comforter today he wants to take that brokenness and that emptiness and that hurt and that pain and And he wants to make it well with your soul. He wants to be the comforter that Jesus Christ said would come. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That voice that's speaking to you now and and telling you and compelling you, that's the Holy Spirit. And he's lovingly showing you salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ. Would you follow that voice this morning? I'll be here at this altar. I'll ask Seth and Donna to be here and bring Scripture. If you want to know Christ, we'll take those scripture and show you plainly how you can leave here today with eternal life. Whatever it is you need to pray about today, these altars are open for you. Use this time wisely as we stand. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift and the promise of the Holy Spirit.